Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price and I am here with my co-host Greg Hawkert. Greg, what, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm really excited for uh, really excited for this episode. Got a yeah. little something different. Yeah, we're back in the lab. Um, we have actually pre-recorded a podcast episode already. Uh, we've interviewed Michael Zeman. He is the, or excuse me, was the Colorado School of Mines running back. Um, just for Just for our listeners... That don't know what the Colorado School of Mines is. Colorado School of Mines is in Golden, Colorado. It is primarily an engineering school. They are one of the premier engineering schools in the country. They are also Division Two, so they're in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, the RMAC. So they won't be joining the Big Twelve anytime soon. Uh, no, it might actually increase the GPA of of <laughs> the Big Twelve's football programs and basketball programs. But yeah, no, they will not be joining the big 12 anytime soon but we're still we we have actually pre-recorded this episode just so everybody knows but we're very excited to have michael on the podcast hopefully we get um some new different listeners outside of the big 12 circles but yeah so just a just a quick intro for michael so michael was the running back for the colorado school of mines he in his career he rushed for over four thousand yards and 55 touchdowns in his career which is absolutely amazing um, he is the first Colorado School of Mines running back to rush for 1,000 yards in three consecutive seasons. Uh, in the 2021-2022 season, he was the he was a Harlan Hill finalist, which for most people, they don't know what that is. That's actually the D2 version of the Heisman, and he'll kind of talk about that a little bit in the podcast. He was a consensus All-American last year. Um, not really sure about this year yet because the voting for that hasn't been done, but yeah, we're super excited. Yeah, so obviously this is a little bit different than uh, what we normally do and all of the uh, Big 12 news, so to speak, that happened this past week. Uh, Tanner and I, we won't we won't be touching on that today. Uh, we'll get back next week and uh, touch on uh, most of what's happened in the last two weeks uh, at that point. But kind of the reason um, for having Michael on is is we wanted to mix it up every once in a while when Tanner and I first started this podcast. Uh, obviously, this is a Big 12 podcast, and it will always be a Big 12 podcast. Um, of course, Michael uh, is not did not play on a, a Big 12 football team, and I think in the future uh, we will be having, uh, we will hopefully be having guests on uh, the podcast from um, Big 12 schools. Um, however, Michael was a fantastic first guest to just kind of come in, uh, talk talk about football, talk about the faith a little bit, which is very important to him, as well as Tanner and I. Um, yeah, and obviously his uh, accolades and numbers speak for themselves. He was a very, very successful running back at the Division II level and has some really cool stories. Yeah, for sure. And all right, we will uh, we will jump into that into that interview right now, and we'll catch you guys on the flip side. And now we're going to welcome Michael Zeman onto the podcast. Michael, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. What you been up to since uh, since football got out? Not a whole lot. A uh, bunch of golf, just hanging out, getting ready for work to start. Sweet, sweet, man. 
Um, yeah, like we like we kind of mentioned in the intro, Michael had an amazing career at Colorado School of Mines. Um, Mike, do you want to tell us a little bit about your about your story? Yeah, sure thing. So, I guess it all kind of starts. Uh, I started playing uh, football in second grade. Um, yeah, and I just kind of built a love for it from there. Just kind of the entire way knew that uh, football was my was going to be my favorite sport. Was going to be the sport that I really had a passion for um, above all the other ones. And then, so yeah, I went. Ended up uh, going to Holy Family High School, played football, uh, and then followed uh, both of my sisters to Colorado School of Mines, and was lucky enough to get a scholarship there. Um, and yeah, then from just from there on, just kind of bid my time, uh, got through school. And then, yeah, football is just that added bonus um, where, you know, not many people get to uh, play on that college level. So, I mean, just taking it every day and knowing that it's a blessing. Um, and then, yeah, just meeting all those new guys at football and kind of just learning we all have the same goals is to just take ourselves and our team to a national championship um, and just putting in the work and putting in the effort there in order to see how that can get done you know, ultimately getting there this year, uh, yeah, making it to the national championship uh, was a blast. Um, definitely, I mean, the most fun I've had playing football uh, in my entire career. So so you mentioned the national championship. So for those that don't know, go ahead and uh, go ahead and let everyone know. So how uh, how do the uh, Division II playoffs work? Um, and then let us know, tell us a little bit about the uh, uh, School of Mines and uh, y'all's run to the national championship this year. Yeah, sure thing. So within D2, um, it's a playoff setting. So um, it's it's very similar to the FCS, uh, you know, brackets. Um, so for D2, they split the playoffs into four different regions um, with seven region or sorry with seven teams from each region making the playoffs um and so the first seed in each region obviously gets that uh first round by and then the other six teams play and then it's just you know just bracket format from then or from then on uh with yeah lowest seed playing the one and then the other two teams matching up and then quarterfinals semifinals and finals um yeah so as far as our minds the minds run um we ended up getting the second seed overall uh, in our region. So we opened up with our conference rival, CSU Pueblo, who uh, we had played earlier in the season. Um, and, yeah, so from there, uh, we were able to beat Pueblo, uh, get past them. And then after them, we played uh, Minnesota State Mankato, who's a great team uh, out of Mankato, Minnesota. Um, and we were able to beat them in kind of a shootout uh, uh, in Golden which was, I mean, a lot of fun. I think we ended up winning 48-45. Um, so it was a great offensive game, uh, just a great football game in general. If you were there, I can only imagine how much fun it would be in the stands just seeing that back and forth. I know it was pretty stressful being on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, and then so once we got past them, uh, we played Angelo State uh, it, down in San Angelo, Texas, in the quarterfinals in the Super Region final matchup. And yeah, we were able to get out to a good start there. Uh, ended up yeah beating them. We had played them in week two of the season, and they had they'd gotten past us in overtime. So able to yeah, we were going down there. It'd be a it'd be a battle. They were the number one defense in all D two, 
so we knew it would be a it'd be a, a tight battle. A lot of they have a lot of great players, really great defense, and but yeah, so we were able to get past them, kind of get revenge for uh, that week two loss. And then for the semifinals, they re uh, they received the four remaining teams, and so we were able to get the number two seed, which meant we got to host a semifinal game, which was the first time mine's ever hosted a semifinal game, which was uh, really special. So we played Shepard, uh, who's in West Virginia, um, and that game kind of consisted of just the the top two quarterbacks in all of D two this year. So that our quarterback's name is John Matoka, and he won the Harlan Hill Award, which is the the Heisman of D two. And they have a quarterback named Tyson Bajant, who won the High or the Harlan Hill last year. So it was just it was a great matchup of great quarterbacks, um, and we got after him a little bit. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I think the we really packed our stadium. It was the uh, number. I think we had the largest attendance in Mines history at that game. So that was the atmosphere there was um, electric uh, for a Mines game. I know it probably doesn't really compare to the Big Twelve games that can hold a lot more, but for Mines it was pretty special. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, personally, I've been to a couple of Mines games, and I'd say because you're so close to the field, it bas- I mean, you feel like you're on the sideline. It's, it's, it's a great atmosphere. It's absolutely electric, and it's nestled right up against the mountains. There's not a, there's not a better venue in college football. I'd have to say. No, I agree. I think just, yeah, the, the location in Golden right up against the mountains, uh, the view you get from it, it's it's easy to uh, take for granted. Uh, but when you just step back and think about it every now and then, it's, it's definitely a, a great place to play. Yeah, so you guys had a you guys had quite the run to the to the championship game. I I mean, just looking back on this run, I. I watched all all of those playoff games, and I would say the Angelo State game was probably your like one of your guys' biggest statement games, um, especially after losing to them earlier in the season. I know it's in overtime, but still, it it was a loss. But you bounce back. You basically go what what was it thirteen straight, Michael, that you guys ended up winning there to get to the championship game. So that was that was awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun. That that game was. It was really fun. Just we knew uh, their their defense was top notch, top tier, but you know we knew the we had the talent, we had the guys that could get it done. Right, right. So you gave us your story. You gave us this championship run. Um, who or what had the biggest impact on your football career to get you to this point? Yeah, I think it's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's just one person. I think it's just a collection of different people throughout. Throughout my entire football career, I mean, it's my entire football career spanned 14 to 16 years. Like, I don't even know. It's It's been just such a huge part of my life. So it's kind of like throughout the entire thing, there's been people who impact it in different, way, in different ways. Um, I'd say more recently, though, just since I got to college, uh, just the guys in the running back room um, at Mines really played a huge impact. Um, they're the guys that. I became some of the best friends with to be able to just goof around. You, I mean, I'm hanging out with them for four hours a day. Uh, it's hard not to get close to guys like that. Um, and so, yeah, Cam Mayberry, who was the starting running back uh, before me, uh, he was just a great mentor, a uh, quiet guy, but I mean, you knew everything he did was right. And he was a great player. I think he kind of got uh, the short end of the stick because he graduated during COVID. 
Um, and I think that kind of hurt his exposure. I think he was definitely an NFL guy. Could have been, could have been a really solid player. Um, but then, yeah, another person, uh, just my running back coach, Coach Grinstead. Um, he's been with Mines for close to 20 years now. Um, and so, I mean, you just know he's got the, he's got a passion for not only the school, but for the team. And, you know, he's going to, he's going to be on you. Uh, but I mean, he means it, he means it well. Uh, he's a great coach, great person, uh, just great guy. You can go talk to, uh, whenever you just, yeah, need someone to talk to. So I think there's a lot of guys, but I mean, as far as college wise, those are two I'd really highlight. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I actually forgot to ask you this one question before, um, but what – how do I phrase this? What was it like – so you, you didn't tell the story um, in, your, in your rundown, but what was it like – so you were what – when you started – when you started getting playing time at Mines, you were what, the, the third string and both both of the running backs in front of you got hurt? Is that what – is that what happened? Could you remind me of that story and how it was – like how it felt when you got your kind of first – breakthrough and you you had a you had a huge couple of games right then when you when you started playing for mines yeah for sure um so yeah it was my junior year academically uh so redshirt sophomore year uh as far as football and I was kind of the I was the second string back uh splitting reps kind of 50 50 with another uh guy in the room um so yeah two or three kind of depending on I guess how how many reps we got that game but so behind uh, all American running back, and then he ended up getting hurt in week five of the season. Uh, he ended up breaking uh, part of his lower leg, and so he missed uh, most of the rest of that season. And so from there, um, we finished out that game, and then kind of just talking to the coaches, we were gonna me and this other running back were gonna split time pretty much fifty fifty uh, for the next game. Uh, I was, I got the start, uh, was able to kind of, yeah, play well for the first part of that. But, um, just throughout the game, the other running back ended up hurting his foot. Uh, like I think he broke part of his foot, um, during that game. And so I was kind of one of the only running backs left. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I got my break. Um, I was able to really play well in those next couple of games. Um, once I was the actual starter, um, I ran for, yeah, two almost three hundred yards. It was like two ninety eight in one game, and then I followed that up with a three hundred twenty one yard uh, game in South Dakota, which I wish I could duplicate every every week. But <laughs> that would that would be some impressive numbers. But yeah, it was a it was a good run off uh, during that season for sure. So, Michael, kind of switching gears a little bit. This is something that both Tanner and I uh, really wanted to ask you, but. Just sort of an open-ended question. Um, just talk about the challenge of uh, living out uh, your faith in a college football locker room. Just give us a little bit of insight as to how that looked for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't. Know. It's it's easy in some ways and harder in others. Um, a football team, you have 130 guys of, I mean, all different backgrounds, all different, yeah, religions, different schools. You. Really, it's a hodgepodge of different guys. Um, but I kind of the beautiful thing in that is, I mean, you're going to find guys that have that same faith as you. And I was really lucky to have that the, the entire time I was there. Um, you know, focus is at our campus. So the fellowship of Catholic university students, um, and they played a huge role in just kind of 
helping out uh, as far as starting Bible studies and really being impactful uh, within the community. Um, so with that, we were able to, yeah, just be able to, was able to be in Bible studies all five and a half years. I was at mines. Um, and then I ended up being able to lead one this year uh, with about five other guys. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's easy to live out your faith when you find guys that uh, have that like uh, belief as you. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard always. I mean, you fill 130 guys in a room, you don't know really what you're going to get uh, on the maturity level sometimes. Um, but I mean, it's just, you kind of just gotta live out your faith by example in some of those cases. Cause I mean, it's hard to, if a certain conversation's going some way, it's hard to, I mean, step in and try to cut it down. But I mean, just living by example, uh, people see that. And I think people can really take that to heart. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, so kind of, this is kind of building off of what, what you were just talking about, but a lot of, I would say a lot of athletes struggle to have an identity outside of their sport. So like I'm a football player, I'm a basketball player. I play golf. Like that is their identity, but kind of like going off of what you're ta- talking about right there with your faith. It's like, what would you say uh, was your identity outside of sports? And did you ever, did you ever struggle with that? Did you ever feel like you were just a football player or just a running back? You want to, speak into that a little bit yeah for sure I would say I mean it's easy to get caught up in in the everyday lifestyle of it because I mean with football and being a college athlete you're you're that's like it's a it's a job basically you're there for six hours a day um you know putting in the work and it it becomes pretty easy to kind of see that as who you are um but I think what I was able to kind of keep a level head throughout it all. Um, and I think the guys in my Bible study really helped with that. Just, you know, meeting every week and we kind of talked to just like, it's easy to get caught up in all that, but really what we have to kind of keep in mind throughout it all is that it's like football is going to end. And then we got to keep in mind what's after that. Um, we got to kind of keep in mind that. So yeah, it's not all football. We're, you know, we're brothers in Christ, sons and daughters of Christ that so we got to, we got to find our worth in, in Jesus. And I think that's one thing that kind of helped me out. And my wife, Casey, uh, really kind of helps keep me level there uh, throughout it all. And so I think I never really struggled with, it, uh, which is, I mean, a blessing because, you know, as soon as football ends, it's easy to kind of find, you're just kind of stuck. You don't know really what, what's next. Um, but I think another thing as far as minds is, you know, what's next. Uh, you go to minds for an engineering degree and you're going to, hopefully find a high quality job after that. And, you know, I'm blessed enough to kind of have that on the horizon. So yeah, moving forward, I'm excited for that. Yeah. What? So you kind of mentioned it there, but what, what are your future plans? Do you have any football in your future? Do you want to go play in NFL? Maybe, maybe even the CFL. I don't know, man. What, what do you got in the future? No, no NFL or CFL plans as of right now. Um, I have a job lined up for, uh, I'll start January 23rd for a oil and gas company based out of Denver. Um, so I'm pumped for that. I'm excited to start that new journey uh, down the road. I mean, I could see myself, myself coaching, um, you know, trying to get into my old high school and coaching there, or, you know, just coaching for my kids down the road. Football is definitely not just over in my life uh, by no means. I mean, it's such a huge role, played such a huge role in my development as a person, Um so I definitely would love to get back in, love to coach, 
uh, down the road. But uh, as of right now, my my playing days are done. But looking forward to the next step. Uh, that is, yeah, that is uh, the working world. So Michael Tanner and I, we 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 you know we get on this podcast once a week, and we love to talk about the games. We love to talk about Big Twelve sports. And neither of us, you know, we, we both have athletic backgrounds, as we mentioned in our first episode, but neither of us ever played college football or college basketball or any college sports in general. Uh, intramural all-stars though. Um, <laughs> however, with your experience, uh, getting to play for, uh, Colorado School of Mines for so long, um, give us a little bit of insight as to uh, what skills uh, and knowledge goes into uh, being a successful running back. Yeah, so I mean, one of the main things it's if you're going to be a college athlete, or I mean, an athlete at really any level, it's it's time management first. Um, on the college level, you got to deal with you got to deal with school, you got to deal with everything else outside of football, um, all while putting in I mean hours of work every day uh, on the football field or on just whatever athletic uh, sport you're playing. Um, but as far as I mean, being a running back, I think some of this the key things that are really hard to measure. Um, I mean, for one, it's just uh, your eyes are one thing as a running back. You have to be able to see the whole, I mean, it's constantly shifting the way, the way the lines blocking it, um, the way the defense plays it. I mean, how the linebackers trigger it all kind of impacts what your footwork's going to be and where you end up going. I mean, so overall I eyes footwork um, discipline, I mean, as a running back, you have to you have to kind of know two positions. You know, you have to know your own and what you have to do, but it also helps to know uh, what's going on on the O line because I mean, each play has different blocking schemes. They have different pulls. Uh, I mean, different things like that. And so, kind of just you you end up you have to be smart as a running back just because you have to know uh, what's going on around you, uh, so you can kind of help yourself succeed in that manner. Yeah, that's that's great. Thanks for thanks for giving us some insight. I know Greg really wants to go and get his eligibility and go be a college running back someday. So I know I know I don't, think I, don't think I have the speed for running back, but <laughs> um so yeah, kind of just like um going off of that, what as a well, not only as a running back, as a receiving as a receiving back, not necessarily a wide receiver, but um, what is, what is like one of the most memorable moments of your career um, or a play, like a specific play where you just broke some guy's ankles or what, what is something that stands out to you when you think back on your career in football? Um, I don't know if it's really something specific that I did, um, but I mean, winning the semifinals as a team, uh, was one of the was a super special thing uh, just being able to celebrate uh, with my team there because the year before we'd lost in the semifinals and that was that was heartbreaking knowing how close we were to that national semi or that national championship and so we knew kind of this year once we got to the semis that we weren't going to let that happen again so winning that semifinal with my teammates and uh, in a little bit of dominating fashion was it was amazing uh, probably one of the most memorable uh, experiences of my career. And then as far as my own play, I, uh, I mean, my very first start, um, I had a, I had a passing touchdown, which you don't see a lot out of a very first start running back. So, (laughs) 
So they, they I mean, trusted you to pretty they they trusted you to throw a pass in your first start. Yeah, it was, yeah to the quarterback too. So it was it wasn't <laughs> like wasn't like it was to two dudes that are used to doing that sort of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, hey Mike, so you were a Harlan Hill finalist last year. John, your quarterback John Matoka won this year. What? When, oh gosh, when you look back on these past two years and you're basically there with John every play on offense, what, what, what do you have to say about John and how he played this year and last year and his growth throughout his time in college? What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, John's just, he's the ultimate competitor. Uh, you're not going to find someone that cares more than him. Um, and it's, it's visible when he's on the field, it's visible when he's on the sideline. Um, and I think just John, uh, he was a captain this year, uh, probably should have been a captain last year, will be a captain next year. And so he's, he's the ultimate leader, uh, as well. And then just, he's, he's got so much determination to not only be the best himself, but have our team be the best. Um, and I think that's what you need out of a captain, uh, year in and year out. And so, yeah, John's just, he's really grown throughout the last, I mean, three years. He started as a, as a freshman, as a true freshman. And so. He was a he was a Harlan Hill candidate his true freshman year, and so I mean for him to win it this year, uh, I mean it was only a matter of time, and so just to see his growth, to see how much he cares, um, especially yeah being in the backfield with him, uh, we're able to communicate pretty much after every play what we saw, what we think. Um, yeah, I mean he's a true competitor. He's a true football player. He's one of the best. I mean he's the best uh, quarterback I've ever played with, um, and so I think. I mean, he's got one more year of eligibility left, and I think we can expect great things from him. Um, I'm excited to see uh, how the team does with him next year, too. That's Yeah, that's really awesome. So, Michael, the transfer portal at the uh, – well, really at all levels of college football, but mainly you see it at the Division One level, um, has, has become one of the most talked about uh, parts of college football in the last – year to two years. So kind of a two-part question. Uh, first off, what are your thoughts uh, on the transfer portal as a whole, guys uh, bouncing from school to school, whether it be for playing time, NIL money, um, or any any other reason? And then was there ever a moment in your career? Uh, now, I guess earlier on in your career, the transfer portal wasn't what it was today, but was there ever a moment where you thought about transferring somewhere else, maybe thought about trying to get to uh, a division one level of, of football. Um, can you, uh, talk about that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for that first part, um, my thoughts on the transfer portal, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think it really depends on how you're using it. Um, I mean, it's definitely, I see the good behind it. I know it's good for guys that they need to get out of like bad situations at their school or, I mean, guys that, yeah, I mean, I've heard countless stories about guys who left a school and it, like, I mean, possibly like saved their life or saved, I mean, you just never know. Um, so I think like the transfer portal's got, I mean, great benefits uh, for those guys. And I I don't know, I kind of go back and forth with it, um, whether I like it or not, just because you see so many, I mean, high caliber guys leaving um, their schools and you just don't know whether it's uh, for a good reason or not. Um, and so I don't know, I think it's got its benefits, but I think it can be used poorly sometimes. Um, and then as far as my kind of, 
my playing career and if I ever thought about it. Um, I think one of the unique things with mines is I don't think since I've been there, we've had one player transfer out. Um, maybe one or two, but it's, it's small. Um, and I think that just speaks to, uh, I mean, the type of player that gets recruited, but also just the school itself. I mean, many, a lot of people go to mines, not only for football, but for, I mean, that high class, uh, engineering education. And so, I mean, people know it's, you're not going to really get a better education anywhere else. And the, the name Colorado School of Mines that comes on that diploma, uh, is worth so much more than just playing time at another school. Um, I think Mines is unique because it's really one of the only places where you can go and have that high quality education and then compete for a national championship year in and year out. And so I never had any thoughts about it. Um, I mean, I knew it was where I wanted to be. Uh, I loved the coaches. I loved the players, the guys that were on the team. Um, and I loved, yeah, the, the school uh, and knowing that I can, I can work hard these four years and, you know, have fun the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, I think if you transfer somewhere or go to a more of a party school, you can have fun for four years and work for 40. Um, <laughs> I think that's, that's the, that's one of the main differences. So. That's a really good point. And yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, that's something that's probably very unique to uh, the school of minds uh, that a lot of these high level FPS programs, uh, they don't really have that appeal um, to these players, but so kind of pivoting a little bit, uh, Michael, other than because we, we touched earlier on how cool of an atmosphere uh, your home stadium is in, in Golden, Colorado. But other than your home stadium uh, at School of Mines, what is one of the coolest or most unique places that you played in your uh, career in uh, college football? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, very first game this year, we went up to – uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and played uh, Grand Valley, uh, and that that was a unique experience just because they are a, a premier program in D two, and they have been for countless years. Uh, and so their facilities there um, are amazing. the The crowd there is great. I mean, that was probably the most uh, people I've ever played in front of, and I think it was like fourteen thousand. And you know, it's a it's a hostile environment, but I mean, as a football player that it can't get any better. It's, it's so much fun. You know, it's, you got to battle through the the fans yelling at you. Um, but it's, it's such a fun experience being in that uh, sort of venue. Um, so I'd say Grand Valley is probably one of the coolest places I've ever played. Um, and then in like the national championship for sure. Uh, I mean, you play, we played at McKinney ISD, which is a, a Texas high school stadium, but I mean, you wouldn't know it, uh, they do football different down in Texas. So everything's bigger. Um, and I mean, yeah, you just, that experience is, you know, you're, you're playing to be the best. You're playing to cement your legacy and just, yeah, the, the time leading up to that and that game itself uh, is one of the most uh, special and most memorable experiences, most, most ex- memorable experiences I've had. Yeah, for sure. That, that would be, that game, it looked like a lot of fun. It looked like a, a really good atmosphere down there in, in Texas. But, um, Michael, I, I have to ask you. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. I know you have tons, tons and tons of fans all over the place, but, um, 
have you ever just had a really weird or interesting interaction with a fan before? Maybe it might have even been me at one point at one of your games. Or even or even on the road, like you mentioned in in uh, Grand Rapids, how they were uh, they had a very hostile environment. So either uh, like Tanner mentioned, either either a uh, a Mines fan or, or on the road, someone yelling something at you. Uh, <laughs> did you ever have a, a weird, interesting experience in that in that sense? Nothing out of the ordinary, I'd say. I mean, Grand Valley, uh, I got kind of duped into into a little bit of an insult. Uh, one of their fans, as we were walking in for halftime, was like, hey, 40. I was like, what's up? He's like, you suck. Yummy. <laughs> he got you. Um, I mean, no, I, other than that, I mean, you just get, you get some people yelling at you, but a lot of the times you don't really interact with, uh, I mean, opposing fans. Because uh, I mean, a lot of the time you're playing in pretty small venues in D2, uh, and you just really never come across them. Uh, but as far as like Mines fans, um, I mean, those are just some of the oh, those are great experiences I've had. Nothing really weird, but I mean, just walking out of the tunnel after a game, and you just see a crowd of people out in front of our stadium, and they all start cheering as soon as we walk out. Uh, it's it's special, and then you just see kids coming up to you asking for. Uh, autographs on a hat or a football um and it's really special it just it makes you feel i mean like you're having an impact in these lives that i mean you don't even i mean you'll you see them every saturday but you don't know kind of what's happening uh besides that and so just being there being able to be a role model uh for i mean those kids that you see at the games uh yeah i think those are kind of the the fan experiences i think of most that's awesome I, and i think especially at the division two level, I think fans also understand like it's important to like respect your opponent. And I, I would say that they, every, everybody in D2, at least from what I've seen, does a, does a really good job of um, at least respecting their opponents. Maybe not necessarily like at the division one level, but yeah, I think it's a different beast at the division one level. It's just interesting because I know in some of these D2 environments and then like, uh, even uh, other levels outside of D2 as well, you play in just some very unique like cities, uh, like you mentioned, the one in Michigan. Uh, and so it's just like uh, different cultures in different cities and stuff like that. I, I feel like it can make for interesting, uh, interesting experiences that you wouldn't get even at a division one level where it's like, you know, where you're going to play every year in the sense it's like, depending on what conference you're in. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, um, so yeah, Michael. So I know that this is a Big Twelve podcast. We literally haven't talked about the Big Twelve at all. It might be a good break for our listeners. We might even get some new listeners on this podcast, but who knows? Um so as Michael, you know, Greg and I both went to Oklahoma State. You visited me a couple times, and one of those times Oklahoma State was playing Iowa State in football, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you became an Iowa State fan. Um, but maybe outside of Iowa State, <laughs> what or I guess including Iowa State, but what program in the in the Big Twelve do you admire the most, or do you maybe keep an eye on on your on your Saturdays when you're not playing football? What what do you what program do you like the most? I would I would say. Yeah, I mean it's hard to not admire uh, TCU this year and what they've done. Uh, I mean with Sonny Dykes just first year and seeing how they were last year and then coming this year to a national championship. I mean, how do you not admire the run they went on, um, the the determination they had? I mean, I don't know if anyone 
no, I mean, no one thought they would make it to the national championship. I mean, I think that's safe to say. Um, and so I, it's hard. It's I'd say I admire them. Just, I mean, it's I can only imagine just being a, I don't know what they were five and seven last year, and then going on that run they did this year. Um, I mean, it just it speaks to the the guys in the program that really bought in. It, it speaks to uh, Dykes and how much he, I mean, took that program to the next level. Obviously. Yeah, for sure. Um, we we did we got some funny uh, listener questions, but we've got we got two for you. We've got two. <laughs> um, the first one, which I'm I'm honestly really intrigued to hear the answer on this. So uh, our friend uh, our friend Kira, she asks, um, how did the altitude or did the altitude ever change how you or opposing teams played? Uh, obviously, being in Golden, Colorado, I'm not sure uh, exactly what the uh altitude is but if you could give some insight into that yeah i mean it it's a huge advantage for us no doubt uh it doesn't really impact our team as much uh definitely so i'll I'll retract that a little bit at the (laughs) beginning of every year uh you you see those guys from texas or from those sea level areas uh as soon as they get back uh it kind of whips them for a little bit um but i mean we practice in it five six days a week and so we've kind of become accustomed to that and the oxygen level, but it's a huge advantage for us. We, we see teams all the time. I mean, they, they ask for oxygen on the sideline. Um, and so, I mean, one of the games this year uh, is Shepard are in the semifinal game. Uh, I mean, they're coming from West Virginia is sea level and you could tell just, I mean, right before halftime, they were dying. They were, I mean, the you could see their their running back after maybe a long run or after a long drive would be he'd come back to the huddle and be on a knee um just uh tired and whipped and so it's it's a huge help to us just golden's uh, a mile above sea level and so the altitude uh it's really a great equalizer uh for us and then one place i notice it um is so we end up, we play in Gunnison Colorado which is the highest elevation stadium in college football and so we're high but they're even higher i think i don't i don't not quite sure what they're at maybe like 8000 or something um but i mean you notice that you the lack of oxygen up there it makes it harder um so i think it's a huge benefit it's a huge home field advantage uh when it comes down to it yeah so i i did just look it up so golden is at almost uh, 6,000 feet of elevation. And I know it's um, a popular talking point in the NFL when teams go and play the Broncos. And uh, you guys being from Denver, could correct me if I'm wrong, is Denver's, what, three or 4,000 feet? 5280. Exactly. 5280. Okay. Exactly, okay, so exactly you, a mile high. So you 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 guys have got, uh, or Golden has got, you know, still an extra five 600 feet on uh, on Denver even. So that's uh, that that's definitely... I feel, yeah, I feel like that would play a factor, especially me being from Texas. If I was running or was playing a sport in, uh, uh, around the school of mines, I would notice that for sure. <laughs> yeah, you definitely do. I think it, it, it depends on how early you get here too. I think you see, you see some teams getting here a couple of days early so they can try to get accustomed to it. But a lot of the time in D2, I mean, you travel the day before, uh, on a bus and then you play the next day. And so, I mean, you, you get there on a Friday and play on a Saturday. That That's not much time to uh, get accustomed to that elevation change. So I think it plays a huge role. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can confirm it does. Whenever I can go 
whenever I go back home, I and we go play basketball or something. I I definitely get that. I feel it for sure. Um, and just one final last kind of funny listener question. So Stone, who you may know, uh, I don't know, Michael. Do you know? Do you know Stone? I know. I know Stone. Okay. All right. So who was your favorite high school quarterback that threw a lot of interceptions? <laughs> I mean, there's only one, obviously. Uh, and that would be Stone. Yes, it would be. I mean, I think Stone Stone talks down on himself a little bit. I think he was a great quarterback. A uh, little, little trouble, trouble with the uh, injury bug. But, I mean, I think he was a great kid, great, kid, great quarterback. And, I mean, I would have loved to play with him. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael, we really appreciate your time today. We are so grateful to have you on. Um, do you, would you mind telling everybody your uh, Twitter handle so that you can, you can get some more followers here, please. Yeah, sure thing. I got to look it up. <laughs> oh Mike, <laughs> I'm just playing. So it'll be at Michael underscore Zeman 15. There you go. Everyone go give him a follow. Um, well, yeah, Michael, thank you so much. We are big fans of your career, and we can't wait to see what's in store for you and for your family. Well, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks, Michael. Yep. So we really hope you guys liked this interview with Michael Zeman. Once again, he just had a fantastic career at College School of Mines, and we are so, so grateful to have him on the podcast. Um, yeah, so if, if anybody has any questions or if you guys want us to interview somebody from your school or wherever, please let us know. Reach out to us. Greg, you got anything else for our good listeners? We really enjoyed this. Um, It was a lot different, uh, like I mentioned at the very beginning, from from what we normally do. And uh, I think we'll continue doing this every once in a while. And um, I think we have a few more guests up our sleeve, hopefully, um, in the the somewhat near future. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit more of this. Um, but like I mentioned before, uh, next week we'll we'll get back into all the transfer portal talk. We'll touch on, um, or maybe not touch on the national championship. Depends on how we're feeling next week. Uh, and then, uh, of course, just continue to dive into basketball. But uh, had a blast with Michael and just really appreciate him being willing to be our first first official guest on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was a great experience. But once again, I have to throw this out there. If anybody... Would love to uh, support our podcast. We would we'd love to do a read in for you, um, just a small amount. Uh, please reach out to us. Our at is around the twelve, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I think we're also going to start a Facebook page as well here pretty soon. But yeah, reach out to us, DM us, ask us questions, anything you'd like us to cover. We would be more than happy to cover anything you guys want to listen to. All right, we thank you. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>